Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. Okay. Good morning. Hi. And to be perfectly transparent, we did not have as much pre-talk today as we normally do. So I am completely unprepared for what is coming to me. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> you know how I know. You know how I know uh, that you're not prepared. How? Um, because I went on the internet today to look for your web page, and you don't have one. Do you mean like a, a my own website? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. You're exactly right. I have never made myself one. Richard yeah. Wingfield offered to, he even bought a subscription to a domain to help me make one. <laughs> and I never yeah. made it. Yeah. I don't know what I'd put on it. Hey, I'm Holly. I sometimes do things. Sometimes I fix leaks in my kitchen sink. Sometimes I teach. Sometimes I yell at my kids. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, this this podcast is going to be very personal. Okay. Okay. For one thing, um, I will let the people know who are listening to this is that Holly is going to be teaching Ordinary Life Sunday. And um, I'm, I know that you're going to be talking about gratitude. And, um, what, and I'm going to be introducing you. Which is sort of funny. Um. Yeah, it's sort of funny. <laughs> uh, and and I know that that you are all of these accomplished and and credentialed things, and there's not out there anywhere to find out about it. Too. Somebody doesn't really know you and know something about your background and um, a lot of other things. They probably don't know your history as an artist, your history as a teacher, your graduate degree from Harvard, you're about to get a PhD in evolutionary cosmology. Um, people don't, don't know a lot of this stuff, and I mm -hmm. think it would be helpful to get that out there into the universe, put that out there. Okay. <laughs> Do you like to build a website for me? Or maybe I'll just build the structure and you can populate it with language. Um, I could probably, I, I could probably do that. Um, um, so um, I, I, have, I do have a more sober thing I want to get to in a, in a minute. But um, when I said this is going to be very personal, I meant that. I spent an hour with my spiritual director yesterday processing a dream. Ooh, okay. I had and, kind of a doozy last night, so maybe we'll change exchange here. Yeah. The, the the main character in this dream was you. Okay. Okay. So I I have this feeling that Josh has when I tell him you were in my dream last night. He goes, "Oh man, what I do this time." So that's what's coming up for me. Oh man, what I do this time. <laughs> you know, you know our mutual friend Terry Thompson. Yes. Yeah. So every time Terry has a dream that uh, where his unconscious goes out in the outer world and latches on to some person, 
as he knows, he calls them up the next day mm-hmm. and says, you were in a dream I had last night. I know that it wasn't about you, but I did want to call and check on you. Yeah. So when I dream about you, it's not about you. I know. But <laughs> it's about an overlay that some interior aspect of myself as that fits on you and sister lois didion who is my spiritual director is a union analyst as well as an expert in the enneagram mm-hmm. said to me at the conclusion of this time when we talked about this dream i had she, he she said um you are so blessed to have in the outer world the history and complex relationship that you have had with Holly because in your inner life she is such a gift to you she Mm -hmm. is not only your spiritual daughter but your spiritual anima that's gonna make me cry (laughs) isn't that beautiful Sister Rose kept saying you are so blessed and I said I know I know And that got me to thinking, even after I got off the phone with her, I mean, off the Zoom with her, because she's moved to Chicago. All the cynical sisters have moved to Chicago. Um, I got off the phone with her and I started thinking, you know, I have known you since you were an adolescent. Probably. I don't remember you from my adolescence. I have, but I have a very sharp memory of coming to Ordinary Life for the first time when I was 22. Um, so I know you were already around well, St. Paul's, but I didn't have a real consciousness about Holly. Was it ordinary life you came to or mind and spirit? So 22, that would have been 24 years ago. I think it well, was already that, called. That ordinary was ordinary life. life. That was yeah. ordinary life. Yeah. 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 As in my memory, it's always been called ordinary life, but I could just not remember. But, um, yeah. I think based on your timeline, it was already ordinary life. And um, you know, the way that worked was, um, I was, I, there, our paths were already crossing and I didn't know it. Um, obviously I was at St. Paul's, but, um, the other way is that, and I've told you this story before the very last class I took in college, first of all, indicated to me that I should have taken many more of these classes, which perhaps is a small indicator as to why I'm studying philosophy and religion and cosmology now because there was a seed planted when I was a college student and the very last class I took was from someone who who whether he's part of the Jesus seminar or not I don't know but he certainly is like you very close to the periphery of it and the class was on the synoptic gospels and the historical Jesus and it opened my world. So I moved to California after college and then back to Houston. And I knew that, you know, some sort of spiritual practice or commitment was important to me, but church was becoming less and less important to me. There was a time in my life when I considered leaving the church. Um, And some of that is just the, the routine of the church wasn't meaning very much to me. Um, I was really enriched by the kind of deep dive into who is Jesus and how do we understand Jesus? And Mm -hmm. is Jesus someone I can follow? And if I say that I'm a Christian, what does that mean? So I was seeking this kind of heady 
um, philosophical type of teaching that I left college with. And I found um, your class at St. Paul's to be the great extension of some of the awarenesses that had come into my presence at a very young age. And I feel really lucky that those awarenesses came to me mm-hmm. at a young age, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So in more ways than one, um, you've been my church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I too yeah. am blessed. I, I think if I were sitting with sister Lois, she would say, you are so blessed yeah. to have this man in your life. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think so. And, uh, she asked me a question yesterday that I, I'll tell you how I answered, and then you can see whether you think this is true or not. She said, do you think that in the outer world, you know, Union uh, people, we Union people talk funny. <laughs> uh, because uh, we don't say in the real world, because the inner world is the real world. She said, in the outer world, do you consider Holly your spiritual daughter? And I said, no. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, and I couldn't answer that because in a way I think the answer is yes. But what she said was that what my dream was all about was a reflection in the, in, in the outer world that Holly is your fear. And I said, I agree with that 100%. And said, she will soon outdistance me. So, well, is that not the hope from generation to generation? Oh, ab- that, absolutely, absolutely. That our wisdom expands, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a great thing. That to anyway, me is more everlasting life than anything. Is how anyway, does our, I, yeah, yeah. Got to get you to get a website so people will know <laughs> all the stuff that you've done and are doing. And you've got this thing that's going to be done. Next, Next spring. Month. Well, Next it, spring. The, the dissertation is more or less done. It's in the hands of my committee. Um, I had hoped they would get it back to me this week, but I'll email them after the holiday and just ask when they will get it back to me. Um, and my committee will either support moving forward with defense or they will say, make these edits and then I support moving forward with defense. Um, my advisor was ready to support moving forward with defense, but you know, you have to get the whole committee's approval. Mm-hmm. And because of the timeline, and because as you might remember, everything takes weeks. You have to submit for permission to do your defense. You have to submit to your committee and get their approval and everything right. takes. So I've basically sort of sat around this whole semester waiting for mm-hmm. <laughs> people's approval. <laughs> so I won't be able to defend until next semester. Um, it's one way for an institution to make money to just make your make your students sit around and wait. <laughs> but it's, you know, I hate to say this, but I've said I've said this to you before. It's an elaborate game. It is an elaborate and, game. And yeah, it is an elaborate game. And I remember in my own sitting for my the the night before going to sit for my defense, I had developed a tick in my face. Ooh, like a little twitch in your eyelid yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because huh. I was so stressed and anxious about yeah. it. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was just an elaborate game that, that uh, you know, it's like, um, 
I had to go through this, so you have to go through it, you know, kind of thing. Yes. But yeah. You, you know, it will be fine. If you get as far along as you have in the process, it's your home free. But you Should never be. feel that until you actually have something in your hand that says, it's yeah. over. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I'm still and half you- waiting for someone to hand me back a piece of paper that says, this is shit. Start over. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they will do that. So, anyway. But yeah. But you, you, so early, just a minute ago, you said, um, I don't know whether you would agree with how I answered this question to sister Lois or not. So I'll respond to that. And I'll say, I imagine that even five or 10 years ago, the application of spiritual daughter may have felt more real because I have considered myself in your mentorship for a long Mm -hmm. time. And it is really in the last couple of years that we've been able to share a mutual interest in ideas and growth and mysticism that maybe we get to experience each other and that's cool too. Like you've lived long enough to have um, 40 and 50 somethings to see us become your peers. And I think yeah. Russell, I think even of your son and daughter, you know, just yeah. you've been able to witness that evolution and that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Well, in the case of my son and daughter now, they think they are parenting me. They so. are a little bit, a little bit. They got you to throw away some spices. How about that? <laughs> they did do that. They did do that. No, no question about it. Yeah, that's a so, hard one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what I what I want to celebrate, and I will do it Sunday, but is is all the what an accomplished person you are, how mm. much you have done. And uh, it doesn't get a, the attention it deserves. So, mm-hmm. do you mean I, because it's not out there on the world wide web? Oh, it needs to be a web page. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I I will say also, I have a terrible time with self promotion. I'm I'm having I'm having brunch with Richard Wingfield on oh, Saturday, good. and I one of my agenda items is let's get Holly a web page. He'll say, well, I bought her a domain and she never did anything with it. So, yeah, he'll he'll come back and he'll believe me, he'll take me take you up on it Um, because he, too, has been a a huge, fierce advocate of just the things I've done over in in the last 30 years. How old am I? 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's funny to be a, a person that sort of came into the world and really came of age before the digital age. So my relationship to myself is not in a digital way. You know, my my art, even, you know, I will say, though, since I've had kids, the archives of my kids exist in a digital world. They're all on my computer, my pictures of them. Everything about them is on my computer. But the things about me it's almost like there's this void. I have an Instagram page, but I don't really put a lot about me on it. You know, I put mm. things that I find beautiful on it or, <laughs> or the Astros winning the world series. on it. Yeah. 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 I, I've i discovered in this moving that we've been in that at least my children, and I think their children as well, my grandchildren, 
they're not particularly interested in the archives that we've created. Mm. You know, it's like memorabilia from long ago. Eh, it's okay, but they're not that that interested in it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, my son said to you, um, which I think he has implied to me, is why do you old people keep so much paper? He did say that. that. And he I did, did say, say and I said, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, the truth is I look around, even if I just look around my desk um, to my left over here, I have a giant stack of articles that I printed out over time for the work of my dissertation so and I still keep handwritten journals you know so paper paper has its place um I still prefer to read an actual book over a digital book um even though I have dozens and dozens of digital books I still really love paper um even as an artist my favorite surface to work on is paper so there's a place for it. And I, I'm sure my kids will be saying the same thing about me. Why did mommy have all these papers? <laughs> and aside, one yeah. of the benefits of having a Kindle is that nobody can see what a book hoarder I am. <laughs> uh, all 5,000 of your books went on. They're to all on my Kindle yeah. somewhere or on Apple books. Yeah. Somewhere like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know you're going to talk about gratitude on Sunday, okay. and I don't want to. I don't want to stomp on any of that. But I do have one other thing to. I just have to say. There have been since we made a last recording, and we missed last week because I was moving. Yeah. Two more public mass shootings. I, I, I think actually probably more. Oh, there um, have been more. Mm -hmm. I said two public because public. the ones that yeah. make the news, but there's a there's what the CDC qualifies as a mass shooting for every people. single yeah. day in this country. Yeah. Yeah. There is a road rage, road rage shooting incident in Harris County every day. Not a death every day, but a Just shooting an incident. incident yeah. Every day. It's so, uh, when I, oh. when we got, up this morning, you know, Josh has an Apple watch and he gets those alerts on his Apple watch. And that was the first thing he said, well, there was another mass shooting while we were sleeping. Right. And I think that my first thing was a, when are we going to realize as a country that we have a serious problem and, and B, I don't hear about this in other countries. And when well, it, and, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't exist in other countries where civilians can take up weapons of mass destruction, really, and, and shoot one another. And either other countries are doing an outstanding job of covering it up, or we have a really big problem. And I think it's the latter. And, and the people who want to defend what is going on by saying things like, well, it's a mental health problem, it's a poverty problem, it's this problem, in their effort to defend their, quote, Second Amendment rights, I promise you that the people who wrote the Second Amendment never had this in mind. They did not foresee never. this type of weaponry. And we never. haven't adjusted, we have not adjusted the laws to the evolution of weaponry, really. And 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you've said this before, we have an obsession with violence in this country. And from yeah. the, from the get go, there's um, a guy I really like. His name is Respa Minikin. He's a somatic uh, healing psychologist. Yeah. And he talks about how the body stores generational trauma and he, right. heal, he's a, he's a healer really. But one of his premises of kind of the colonial settler mindset that that founded modern America, that was responsible for what we now know as America, emerged from the Middle Ages in Europe, which was an incredibly violent time. And with 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 people being put to death publicly, being drawn and quartered, being um, burned alive. And so that that history of violence in Europe that was largely because of religion um, traveled with us to this new world. And what did we do? We turned against Native Americans, we turned against Africans and instated that same type of violence against the people who occupied this land. So there's a root, a deep generational root cause and it is violence that has happened to our ancestors that we inflicted upon others rather than sort of integrated or dealt with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's so tragic. Like there is a way out of this. There's a way forward. There's a way to do it differently. And I, where I lose hope is I don't know how interested people are in doing it differently. Well, um, you know, there, there are problems in this country I'll name one that people get really defensive about, and it's alcohol, mm-hmm. that we can solve. That's one. Mm-hmm. There's the problem of homelessness. Mm-hmm. There's the problem of gun violence. And it's not that we cannot solve these problems. It's that as a culture, we won't. Yeah. Homelessness can be solved. Yeah. The problem with alcohol that causes our society so much grief can be solved. We just don't have the will to do it. Yeah. And the same thing is true with this issue of gun violence. We we could solve that if as a country we had the will to do it. Yeah. Get people who are your next door neighbors do not need military grade guns in their homes. No. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> you know, the, the thing when um, uh, I interviewed Dr. Jim Bankson, former senior minister of this church in ordinary life a few months ago. And this is before Jim really had anything to say about, I mean, he had something to say about it, but we didn't address it in that interview about the tragic split that's going on in the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. He used a phrase that I had never heard before, which made so much sense to me. He said, we have taken, speaking of guns, we have taken something that at one time was a tool and made it into a weapon Mm -hmm. against ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose anything can be made that way. I mean, even this object that we carry around in our pockets all the time, a a cell phone can be used as a tool, a means for communication, connection, 
and love even, or it can be used as a tool for bullying and fake news and conspiracy theory, you know? Or and a, a, yeah, a tool to get you out of reality and yeah. withdraw from everybody else. That's exactly right. So I, it's, so it really, you know, I, it's not the tool's fault. It's, it's something about this evolution of our con- conscience. Right. And, and I think that, you know, anything can be used for positive or for negative to varying degrees. And mm-hmm. I think that really we have a conscience problem. Mm-hmm. A spiritual problem. Yeah. Yeah. We're spiritually wounded. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that I have reread um, for preparation for this week, there was a time a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling a little bit uninspired. (laughs) Um, And part of it was, um, you know, I love, I love the dynamic of co-teaching where we, it's sort of a bit of a call and response where we get to respond to one another, either in writing or in real time. But I reread the Haudenosaunee Thanksgiving address that was, I think, written in full in Braiding Sweetgrass, that book we both read and loved so much. And I will actually use it on Sunday, but, and not to give too much away, but it is an invocation that was used by the Haudenosaunee people, which consists of six tribes before every major event. And even just as a prayer before sunrise, and a, and a prayer before sunset. So it was not only used in public forums, public and religious forums, it was also used in a personal way to greet the world, to say, I'm uh, to extend awareness to everything that keeps this incredible planet operating so that we may, as human beings, do our work in the world. Mm-hmm. Anything, like anything, something can become just words. I would venture to say that the Lord's Prayer, the Nicene Creed to many, many, many churches are just words um, without necessarily thinking through what do these words mean. Um, But if we take the words and we really practice them and they become part of our daily spiritual practice and we toy with one line or one phrase at a time, words change our minds Mm -hmm. and our minds can change our behaviors, but we don't have as a collective body of people, other than the pledge of allegiance, something that directs our attention outside of the self. You know, we don't have an agreed upon statement Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And it's, yep. um, so yeah, we have a deep spiritual illness, I think. I think sometimes people misunderstand what I mean when I say we have a moral obligation to be happy <laughs> with um, thinking that it means to disregard or to discount things like the mass shootings, which yeah. it certainly does not. Right. Um, there are horrible things that happen in the world, some of our own cause and some not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the insight of both Jesus and Buddha were that we are responsible for a lot of the tragedy that we experience in life. Yeah. Yeah. And then our way of thinking about things is responsible for the rest. So, yeah. 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 I'm sorry for the people who have recently died as a result of this gun violence. I'm sorry for the loss, the sudden loss that they, it's such a tragic thing. Yeah. People who have been killed. I saw an interview last night on TV of one of the men who subdued the shooter in the gay club in Colorado. He mm -hmm. The military man, mm -hmm. and if I understood correctly, and I could be wrong about this for anybody who's listening, I just want you to know, I just inferred from what he said that he was at the club with his daughter, mm -hmm. who um, I infer was gay, is gay, and mm -hmm. he was there. They were having a good time as a family. And um, he had served several tours in the military, and um, he talked about how his father and his grandfather had both been military people and uncles and brothers and so forth, and that it was just built into him to defend people. Mm -hmm. So when the shooter started shooting, he, he, without a weapon, took him down. Yeah. And he had some uh, help, some, somebody else, but still, tragic loss of life. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like that instinct in an ideal world wouldn't be necessary. It's um, so right now the World Cup is on at the great soccer tournament that incorporates countries from all over the world. And it's happening in Qatar. And um, this is an aside. So Costa Rica is playing Spain. The game's probably over by now or it's five minutes from being over. Costa Rica is good enough to get into the World Cup. They're not a better soccer team in Spain. But one of the things that I love about that country and what gives me great fantasies about moving there is they don't have a nationalized military. Um, right. they, they do not put money towards military. They have a police force. Um, but they, in addition to that, they have really high rates of literacy mm -hmm. and they have also um, healthcare practitioners who have certain regions that they're responsible for. And, each person in their region receives a home visit once a year from the healthcare practitioners. You know, it's like they've diverted the attention away from developing arms and security toward creating a, a body of mm -hmm. people. I'm not saying they don't have other problems. It's still a relatively poor country. Um, but it, but you know, from my experience of having been there, I've only been there three times. Um, people don't want to leave. <laughs> Costa right. Ricans are happy people, <laughs> you know, and I, I just think that's a really profound, it's a profound example. Um, it's a small country and I, I, but I do believe that what can be done at the small scale can be repeated at the large scale. Mm. And what a challenge to the U.S. that would be to say, what have we divested from the military? And no offense to the, anyone who's ever served in the military, but that's where the largest portion of our budget goes every year. Absolutely. And, and and put that money towards um, early childhood 
interventions toward uh, mental health, towards education, towards literacy and, and healthcare, we would have a different situation on our hands. So um, to get us back onto a happier note, yeah, uh, you're mentioning the World Cup. Somebody else mentioned it. Actually, um, many people have mentioned World Cup to me in the last two days. And it's they've just taken over everything. I run <laughs> yeah. into people. I had a client that I was scheduled to see an appointment with yesterday. And she was late because she said I was watching the World Cup. And yeah. I was so, late to a meeting the other day for the same reason. <laughs> so uh, there is a movie, which you have probably seen, but mm -hmm. I think probably most people have not seen, called The Cup. I haven't seen it, actually. Oh, you must see it. Yeah. Look, I'm going to watch it again tonight. I've seen it twice. Uh -huh. I want to watch it again. I think I found it on Amazon Prime. It might have been Netflix, but uh -huh. it's on one of those two. It's a, it's a subtitle movie, so it's uh -huh. not in English, but it is a delightful story about these boys in a, in a Buddhist monastery in India who want to rent a TV for one day uh -huh. to watch the final match in the World Cup. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's I can so only It's so delightful. Yeah. It's just Oh, so I delightful. need to watch that movie. I love I love a good sports movie, and I really love soccer and baseball. Those are my two favorite sports, so... <laughs> well, there's this funny encounter between the man who is the inter the monk, who's the adult, who's the intermediary between the boys and the abbot of the monastery. Uh -huh. The abbot has never seen a soccer game, does not know what the World Cup is. So this other adult monk is trying to explain to the abbot <laughs> what this, why this is so important, uh -huh. and why the boys need to do it. Yeah. And that is one of the funniest exchanges ever. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Trying to explain to somebody, why are they having a fight over a cup? <laughs> <laughs> because the abbot at the moment has been drinking a cup of tea. Ah. <laughs> and he doesn't get it. That's really funny. That's really funny. I need to watch it. It's cute. Oh, man. Well, as ever, we definitely went down many trails today. Um and always you ask me before we would teach, what is our hope um, for this lesson today? What is our hope? So I'll do that in reverse. How can we summarize <laughs> all that we talked about today? Well, I, I think that, you know, what um, I want to come back on another podcast, maybe next week and talk about religion. Mm -hmm. Speak to your thing about giving up on religion because um, I certainly understand that. I think organized religion is in deep, deep trouble mm -hmm. in this country and maybe all over the world. So it's been so abused and so mm -hmm. abusive. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what the teachings of Jesus and what the teachings of Buddhists say are that we're responsible for the content of our world. And um, where we have events that happen in our lives, we have to be aware that the attachments of the ego and our desire to stay in control contribute to our suffering. Yeah. And uh, as my first spiritual teacher, who I'm so grateful to, George Doherty said, what is, is, and what ain't, ain't. Hmm. 
and to argue with the way that things are gets you stuck and to accept that we do live in a world where there is great tragedy and human inflicted violence is something that we have a responsibility to speak up against and to try to correct. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know, I know you well enough to know that um, you never, and I'm anticipating it this Sunday, you never speak without bringing up the issues of justice, social justice. And mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to keep that ever on the front burner. We have a responsibility to keep how we posture ourselves toward one another forever yeah. on the front burner, yeah. which is and, justice um, oriented, but deeply spiritual. Yeah. If somebody, if somebody with a practical takeaway mm-hmm. from this podcast today, watch, watch the cup. Yeah. It's a good movie, uh-huh. but read the book of joy. Mm. You have Desmond, you have Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, two men who have every reason to be bitter and angry about what they've experienced in their countries and their life, who are, well, Desmond Tutu, of course, is deceased now, but two of the happiest guys I can imagine. Mm. Full of joy. Yeah. All right. Happy (laughs) Thanksgiving, everybody. All right. Have a good holiday. See you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.